it makes no sense to just focus on giving without being loved first. It's like trying to drive a car without putting gas in the tank first. It's not going to work. It's why lives are, our lives are so messed up. It's why we're depressed and, and you know bored and burned out. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Today on The Killing Fire, I have an old friend. I can call you an old friend now because you've been on the show twice. That's right. And so I've got Justin Camp on the show. He is the founder of Gather, him and his wife are founder of Gather, Gather Ministries or Gathering Ministries? Gather. Gather Ministries. And you may know him from The Wire for Men. Uh, devotional that he is uh, runs, and uh, we're going to get into some of his amazing books today. And thanks for coming on the show, Justin. Oh man, it's so good to be back. I uh, yes, I feel like we're old friends. Uh, we <laughs> just share share such a heart for this stuff that uh, there is a there is a tight connection. So it's great to be back. Yeah, that's for sure. And um, you have a new book coming out, and uh, and I. Uh, had the real honor of being able to see it early and see some of the, the content that you have. I've got a little little endorsement. I love Justin in there <laughs> with little hearts. No, much appreciated. And I'm really excited to to dive into that. Uh, before we get into that, I'd love to hear just kind of what, what's what's going on in your world. Like what what is obviously you're an author. Uh, to just tell me a little bit about a snapshot of your family and, and others for the listeners. Yeah, so uh, so my wife and I run Gather together. Um, this is a third career for me. So I was a lawyer on Wall Street for a period of time and then invested in high-tech companies as a part of a venture, um, small seed stage venture fund here in uh, Silicon Valley for about 15 years. So we've raised our family here. We have uh, a 14-year-old uh, little girl. I was, she's, she's 14, so she's not so little anymore, but uh, she's my little girl. Um, and then we have uh, two boys, 16 and 18. And we are sheltered in place in Silicon, in right in that kind of geographical heart of Silicon Valley, and uh, you know, figuring out how to do school online. <clears throat> um, Jen and I do most of our since we're writers. You know, most of our stuff is uh, done um, digitally, and uh, so we're able to you know kind of carry on as usual, um, just not leaving the house very much. Um, so we're doing okay, but um, just a just a surreal time. For everybody, but for us too. So you do another interesting thing, and in in uh, that I want to mention is the Rush podcast. Yes, and so that's a very different. Um, it's a different kind of show. So just give a snapshot on what yeah. that's like. So uh, I'll. I'll, I'll uh... Uh, just to give a little a little bit of background on it, so Jen and I did another podcast, a different podcast called Holy Entanglement, and it was about marriage, and that was a few years ago. And 
you know, it was it was one of those things where it was just sort of an obvious next step. It wasn't something we prayed about, and we didn't feel God's nudging us towards it. It was something that we just said, well, everyone kind of does marriage stuff who's in a position like ours, and so we did it. And uh, it was hilarious. It was the very first time we just sat a microphone on the desk and said, okay, let's start talking. And it was just me talking. And Jen's like, I can't get a word in. And I'm saying, why isn't she talking, you know, in my mind? And, <laughs> and uh, it, it was not great. Some of the subject matter was good um, and, and interesting stuff, but it's not how we're wired to do that. So the Rush podcast came along a few years later, and um, that was, that did come out of prayer. And it was Jennifer doing what she does and me doing what I do and um, uh, and very much in identity and in calling. And so what it is is Jennifer will, um, you know, pray ahead of time and say, you know, what, are, what do our people need to hear today? And she prays with a pen in, a hand, in her hand and writes down what she, you know, feels like she senses God's heart is. And then she'll, so she'll do, she'll, she'll kind of read that and... Um, um, uh, you know, that takes maybe five or ten minutes or something like that. She'll include some scripture um, because, you know, whenever we do that kind of thing, we're testing it against scripture always. So making sure everything we're doing is within the principle, falls within the principles of scripture. And then I do what I do, which is kind of like what happens in the wire, you know, devotional is it's just sort of a practical application of scripture to our lives. Um, wire is directed towards men, so it's you know, a, a practical application of what's going on, what, what I feel like are, you know, kind of is going on in the hearts of men. What are the fears and what are the struggles? And, and so, but with the, with the Rush podcast, it's, it's applying what the scripture is and what the prophetic word is into people's lives. And, and then usually that practical, you know, component includes some sort of spiritual practice. And with a podcast, it's really easy to lead somebody into a new spiritual practice that they may not, you know, have a lot of experience with. And so, there are 104 of them. They, they came out, you know, over over the uh, the period of a year, twice a week. So they're two a week for 52 weeks. So there are 104 of them, and it's kind of a year with God. You know, I mean, we've had people that go through um, all of those and come out the other end very changed. You know, I mean, if you're if you're doing those uh, spiritual exercises for an entire year, there's no way that grace isn't going to get get into your heart in a massive way and and and. Um, you know, really do some amazing things. And so we love it. We're very proud of it. I think the, uh, you know, other people have given us really good, um, you know, feedback on it. But uh, anyway, that's, yeah, that's what Rush is. Yeah, it's very cool. If, if you're familiar with God Calling Back the Day or Jesus Calling more recently, Absolutely. it has that vibe. It's yep. like a word from the Lord, and then it's, okay, we've heard from the Lord now. Let's put some practices into place. I mean, it's just, it was just really, I, I loved it because it was unique and it, it felt like the hand, it felt like the Lord was behind it because it was just a creative, unique way to engage people and help them grow spiritually. I, anyway, I'm a fan. So cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's, let's get into, let's get into your book. So, um, so the name of your book is Odyssey. And, um, so, so tell us a little bit about what, what, what this new book's about. Yeah, so um, it, first of all, it's, it's part of a series. So it's a series that I'm partnering with David C. Cook, the um, publishing house in, in Colorado Springs, um, to create and, and really handcraft for the men of wire. So um, I had, you know, the guys, you know, um, 100,000 or so readers who uh, subscribed to wire in mind as I was writing this. And so it's my story. Um, you know, the prior book and the next book are my story as well, but they're things that are universal to men. And so 
Um, so it's the second book in the Wire series. The first one was Invention. It's all about identity. And so, um, you know, when men get to the point in their lives where they start asking, who am I? You know, not who culture tells me I should be, but really, who am I? And turning to their to their father in heaven to ask those questions. That's what invention leads men through. Um, and again, you know, we try to do stuff that's super practical. We want to. We, we don't want to leave people hanging. We want to give them. You know, here's some stuff that's going to work. Um, and so that that book is full of you know practical exercises to explore. You know, spiritual gifts. And that's your first book. Right, invention. Yeah, and yep. and and prior to prior to um, you know us hitting the record button, you said something I saw was so impactful. I'll just let's let's go ahead and cover that now. Is you know there's kind of two. There's the God made man and the self made man. Yes. And, and you were giving that contrast, and you kind of explore that in the book invention. I'd love for you to just say what you said before, because man, it was it was really good. Yeah, I mean, when when anybody's talking about the goodness of God, I feel like we're always encountering the lies of the enemy. It's always a, you know, it, so, you know, each of these books sort of sets up and, and, and takes down these lies that are promulgated by, by the enemy and, and often come through culture and through well-meaning people. But the one in, you know, one of the main ones in um, invention is this idea that um, we're self-made, you know, that we are independent and self-reliant. That's a, you know, I mean, that's a, that, that is, those are two, you know, firmly held, um, values of American men. And, um, it's not true. We are God made. We are dependent on him. We are dependent on each other. We need each other, but we go through our lives thinking that it's, that it's a weakness to need, you know, um, a community of men or to need our wives or to need, you know, these people that God has specifically put in our lives to make our lives rich and, and sometimes to rescue us, you know? And so it's, it's, it, it can be a really, um, it can be a really damaging life. We start building our, our lives on that. And so, so, uh, you know, invention is designed to start to, to, to help men start asking those questions of who am I, who did you create me to be? Um, and it hits men. It's perfect for men who are, you know, kind of checked a lot of life's boxes or enough of life life's boxes, and then start saying, "Well, the promise is coming up empty." You know, yeah. I thought I thought that a good job and, and the right house and the right neighborhood and a family, all that was going to start, you know, giving me the the peace and the joy and the purpose and the significance that I was made for and that my heart longs for. And when that doesn't happen, when a job doesn't, you know, it's the when then lie. When that happens, everything's going to be great. And when it's not so great. Then men start turning to God and saying, "Okay, God, I surrender. Who did you make me to be?" Yeah, and that's answering. That's so true, and and I loved uh, just the the nuance of when you were talking about self made men. You said that um, you're you're not self made. You're really that's just a translation of you're going to ask culture, "Who should I be? What Absolutely. job should I have? What what is it that I need to be whole and healed and happy and healthy and?" And yeah. all the other things that they say. And so they listen to culture, they do those things, and then they come up short. <laughs> They're like, wait, yeah, I, this was supposed to work. <laughs> some of it some of it can be really destructive. I mean, that's how we turn into workaholics, but it's also how we turn into addicts. Because culture is going to say, you know, a man drinks, uh, a man, you know, is uh, sexual conquests are, are the most important thing about manhood. And they're going to, if we start listening to culture, they're going to, you know, those, those lies are going to take us down some dark paths. 
Yeah. And so that's that's kind of a good place to be, actually. Um, and it, th- that's usually what you know initiates us to, to 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 turn to God and say, "I don't have the answers anymore. You know, these answers yeah. are coming up empty, and I need to turn to you." And so that's when we try to you know, insert ourselves with wire and with invention and, and now with Odyssey. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Odyssey. So, so, um, I again had a privilege of kind of getting an early look at it and, and just you, you dig into the stories of the astronauts, uh, yes. some of the first astronauts and I, and it's just such a fascinating story. And uh, you say, and I'll steal your line, is that you basically say, you know, these men were men that were willing to sit on a rocket with not knowing what was going to happen uh, just for the adventure and sheer epicness of going into space. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was a tense time in the world. This is it. So, so, you know, uh, both, you know, Invention and Odyssey both use these historical profiles to create, you know, to engage men, you know, and make make the reading a little bit more fun. And, and also, you know, to make, you know, to inspire and to, to teach um, from these, these men's lives. But, uh, uh, you know, um, the stories, the, the stories of courage that, that around these, these uh, six men that I profile, they're all believers. Um, and uh, their stories of faith woven in with their stories of courage are just fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are sitting on, on top of 5 million pounds of high explosive, uh, high explosives and not knowing. I mean, they're going first. You know, they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know, you know, especially the guys in the Apollo program who were leaving, um, you know, Earth orbit. Um, they have no idea what radiation is going to do to them, you know, and, and they had an inkling that, the, that there were these bands of radiation and they didn't know whether it was just going to, you know, what, what it was going to do, whether it was going to kill them or what. And uh, they were really heading off into a great unknown. And, um, you know, I mean, gosh, who, who would be willing to do that? But they were willing to do, to do that because, like I say, it was a tense time and they were, we were in the middle of the space race with the Russians and, and uh, they felt called as Americans that uh, they need to be a part of this thing and and, and make some great strides in the in the uh, you know in the uh, efforts to reach space and be, and be the first to the moon. There is something innate in God that has God has given men that longs for a quest that longs for um, sort of epic adventure. Uh, I have a friend of mine uh, in the uh, mission world who calls it a kingdom journey. Um, and where it's, it's, you know, you can think of pilgrimage, you know, sort of historic times. You know, there is this, lo- this, this pull uh, towards um, a, a quest, and, and and so, can you unpack that a little bit about you know what is that? What's that about men? Yeah. And what is it that you're kind of exploring in, in this book around that topic? Yeah. So well, there's a great quote from Frank Borman, who was uh, I think he's chapter four, five, five. I think he's chapter five, and he says the essence of of, of the human spirit is to explore. Um, now he was talking about exploring space, but he was a man of faith, and um, I think it's it's really it's actually more true. Um, about our hearts as they're aligned towards God than they are towards the physical world. We do have something inside us that wants to discover. Scripture says, you know, it's the character of God to conceal things, and it's the character of kings to search them out. We want, so, so I think the pull you're talking about is both ways. God pulls us towards him, and we want to move towards him. And so, you know, I mean, 
scripture is filled with this. You know, Abraham walked into a desert. You know, so did Moses. So did David. You know, Jesus was always going into the wilderness to connect with his father. Um, and human beings for 2,000 years have gotten up, walked away from their homes, and started walking towards Rome, towards Jerusalem, you know, on the Camino to Santiago. This is just something that is a part of the human experience. And so why? You know, yeah. we talk a lot about that in the book. The, the big why is that home, home has some unique characteristics. You know, home is where we build a, a place that's safe. And um, safe for our hearts, but safe for our physical, you know, beings as well. And it's a place where we are, you know, our homes are filled with coping mechanisms. You know, it's where we build schedules and routines and and uh, the things that help us just get through the day. You know, cups of coffee and food and you know things that we use. Snacks to sort of in the cupboard. <laughs> That's right. Snacks in the cupboard. Exactly. <laughs> And it, the, the thing is, you know, any, anybody who, who looks at this stuff, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists will tell you, you can't numb selectively. When you numb, you numb everything. And so, um, you know, when we are protecting ourselves, and, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I mean, some of these things are, are important to the human experience, and, and they're, they are important to, 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 to protect our hearts in times of stress and struggle. Um, but we can numb ourselves from God as well. And so getting away from those things, getting you know, away from the gravitational pull of home that brings us into comfort and security and sometimes into dullness and uh, dull, dull senses, especially towards the supernatural, it's really important. We need to get out where it's just us and God, where those, those things that interfere, any intermediaries are, are gone. And so that's why hitting the road, either figuratively or literally, I mean, it's funny to be talking about this stuff when when, um, you know, um, a lot of the country is quarantined. Um, but uh, uh, we can do it figuratively as well. Um, I've taken a number of journeys, um, you know, that I accomplished completely at home, journeys into, um, you know, uh, times in scripture, times of building things, creating things, times of uh, community with other men. And so... Um, yeah, let me let me pause you uh, pause yeah. on that one. So the so another one would be so um, obviously you and I are both very um, versed in wild at heart and the yeah. healing of your heart. You know that's a whole nother exploration, Absolutely. right? You want to talk about exploration uh, where you don't necessarily have to go in the woods to go do it. Exploring the wounds, the vows, the uh, the identity breaking off all that like that's a whole explanation exploration in and of itself i mean that was that was one of the fundamental journeys for me i mean when i was moving from you know being a wall street attorney and then a venture capitalist and moving into this um i mean it was the ransom hard message that that sort of curated that whole time for me so absolutely just to give you a sense for kind of you know for why i wrote this book um personally you know, there was a journey of about six months that I talk about in the book, and it was it was the inspiration here for me. Um, and it was it was a hybrid journey. So you know, we can have the journeys that are spiritual and physical. So we get on an airplane and we go, you know, um, you know, go, you know, work in a work in a uh, you know orphanage in Addis Ababa or something like that. Um, and and our our surroundings are going to change and our hearts are going to change. So there's a, there's a, there's, there's a physical and there's a spiritual component, but like you're saying, we can do the journey that's purely spiritual, uh, spiritual at home, you know, because we have, you know, jobs and mortgages and, and kids and, and real, um, 
good uh, obligations, you know. And we can also do something in the middle. Between those two extremes are a lot of options. So the journey that, that is kind of, you know, the reason that I wrote this book was about a six-month journey where uh, it started with a, a, the smallest of prayers. I was in um, the Willamette Valley up in Oregon visiting a pastor up there, and he um, had me, encourage me to ask a question in prayer, which was, are there any lies I'm believing about myself or about God? And so I asked that question. The first thing that came into my mind was this um, conclusion that I had reached at age 12. I saw myself as a 12-year-old, and my mom had just um, told me that she had been diagnosed with leukemia. And in the days and, and weeks following that, I came to the conclusion, you know, my young mind trying to make sense of this stuff, that I was loved less. I just, I said, I guess I'm just loved less by God, by the world, whatever. And so God showed me that. That was the, you know, we were in prayer and that came into my mind. I thought, I don't know if I've ever thought about that with my conscious mind. Obviously, it was a part of me deep in my subconscious somewhere, but I don't know if I've ever thought about that. But that absolutely happened. Mm. That was the beginning of this journey. And it, most of the journey during that six months, what, I was at home, but it was punctuated, those six months, with, with some trips, a hunting trip, a fly fishing trip, and then a trip to a retreat in the Rocky Mountains. And God took that lie that I'm loved less, and he destroyed it. He, he left a big smoking hole in the ground where that lie used to sit in my life. And it was, it was fantastic. I mean, he showed me the outrageous, just a small amount of the outrageous love that he has for me and has for all of his children. Um, every person on the on the face of the earth he loves with an outrageous love, and so I just had to you know start talking about it. So I, I the thing that is just resonating while you're talking is this concept of um, men don't leave home, right? And, and almost this because I I've known that there's been people that have been like, well here's all here's my list of responsibilities of things that I need to do. Right. Uh, so therefore, I cannot afford to leave home for any reason to go to retreat, whatever, help myself grow, whatever. But there is this uh, great secret of leaving and coming back, leaving empty, coming back full. You know, you're, you're, you're coming back contributing more versus trying to, In you know, you might have heard the term bleeding blood out of a rock. You know, it's just like there's no more life here. You need to go and come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so a lot of this book is about a, a very simple principle, which is what you're talking about, is you can't love, you can't give, you can't you can't be the man that you're supposed to be unless you're loved first. We have to be filled up, you know, because of the, the you know, the nature of this book and talking about astronauts, I'm always talking about sort of the, you know, the jet fuel or the rocket fuel. We have to be filled up with the rocket fuel of, of God's love first so that it can pour out of us. I mean, it's, it's, it's as scriptural as you can get. We need to be filled with love, and then we return that love both to God and, and then to the people um, that, we are, that we come into contact with, our friends and family and our colleagues and that kind of thing. And so, so it makes no sense to just focus on giving, um, and that could be giving at work um, and, and, you know, in return for a salary, but giving or loving our kids and our wives without being loved first. It makes no sense. It's like trying to, you know, go drive a, drive a car without putting gas in the, in the tank first. It's not going to work, and it doesn't work. It's why lives are, our lives are so messed up. It's why we're depressed and, and, you know, bored and burned out, and our relationships are under pressure. You know, there. I think in 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 the Christendom world, there is a bit of this this sort of guilt factor, 
where it's sort of like, um, but in a sort of like that's selfish. You know, it's selfish to go to retreat. It's selfish to go backpacking. It's selfish to go to the ocean. It's selfish to surf. It's selfish, selfish. You know, you just need to give, give, give. And it's just, it's one of these like subtle lies that have been embedded into the Christian experience that's like not helpful. (laughs) <laughs> it's operating. It's a lie that's getting a lot of traction out there. And I know we're 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 here to talk about Odyssey, but I gotta say, since you're teeing this up, you know, one of the one of the, my favorite chapters in Invention, since it's on identity, I feel like one of the most important things of identity is um, how we are each uniquely made to do this. What you're talking about, how we are how we are uniquely made to connect with God and be restored and filled with His love. And so the chapter. Uh, in, in that book, I think it's chapter six, maybe, but the uh, historical profile, so all of the historical profiles and in invention are in, industrial revolution era inventors. And the, uh, the inventor that I profile in that chapter is Carl Benz, who invented the automobile. And the, the reason I chose that is because the analogy is so good and it really drives home the point that you're trying to make is that, yes, culture will say it's irresponsible to do that. Maybe even childish and silly to do that kind of stuff. Go to the beach and spend, you know, a few hours just connecting with God. If that's your thing, if that's not your thing, then, you know, whatever your thing is, it's the the appropriate thing to do. But uh, culture and the enemy are going to come quickly with those whispers of that's irresponsible, that's selfish and everything. But how responsible would it be to take something of value that you own that is in your care and treat it the way we treat our own hearts? So, you know, so in that chapter, since we're talking about the automobile, how responsible would it be to never put oil in the automobile, you know, to never care for it? You know, it's not, it's not going to work. It's, it, we actually think rightly about the automobile or the computer, taking care of your computer and not just, you know, spilling stuff on it and, you know, and, and keeping the desktop clean and so it runs efficiently. We think rightly about that. If I take care of the stuff that, that, that I've been entrusted with and that I own, those things will have a longer life. They'll function function the way they're supposed to. But then we turn around and we and we we don't take that same right thinking to our own hearts as men. And so we're trying to do things that make no sense. Like you're talking about, how are you supposed to care for your wife when you have nothing to give? And so what do we do? We start trying to pull life from other things. We start, we start trying to pull life from our work and our um, relationships and sex and from from alcohol and from pornography and we start trying to pull these things and what are we trying to pull security you know joy peace love Um, it's the things that we need it's life it is life the way we are supposed Mm -hmm. to experience it but we're trying to pull it from things that are inanimate they can't give it to us yeah. So what the, you know, it's it just we have to go to God, we have to go to the source, and we have to be loved by Him, and it is the most responsible thing. Just like putting oil in your in your car, it's the most responsible thing, so that we are full and now overflowing onto other people, and you know, rescuing their hearts too, or letting them love us and overflow on us. Rather so than there's full from each other. Man, there's so much goodness here. I I'm just I gotta get got animated here for a second. Like, this goes right at worm theology. Like, I am such a huge proponent that God has a very high view of humanity. And there is a stream of Christianity that says, no, you are awful, terrible, and and your lot in life is to sacrifice and give more, or sacrifice and and give, 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 give till there's nothing left, and then give more. And it's sort of like God in His love 
you know, you're talking about the the care of things that we we own, a car, a computer. Everybody, every guy's like, yeah, I get that. But then when it comes to yourself, you're like, no, definitely. You know, it's like it's such a disconnect. And it's like, that is not what scripture teaches. God, at the end of the day, God doesn't need you to be a Messiah. God doesn't need another savior. Like he's got all that taken care of. You can receive and trust that if you actually posture yourself to receive the gracious, wonderful, amazing love of God as a beautiful son, oh, you'll be a great dad and a great husband and a great whatever, because you'll be you'll be shored up in that area. And, and there are so many men that are dying under a absolute false concept of what God is asking of them. Yeah, it's so true. You know, we have to just go back to why did God create human beings? <laughs> why does any inventor create anything? It's because they want it to exist and they love it and they care for it. And they, they, they can create anything. Why would they create junk? They want it, you know, inventors, artists, they create things that are beautiful and God created in love and by love and through love people that he could love, lots of someones he could love, you and me, and he does, you know, and that's why scripture is the story that it is of him calling us to him. And I'm sure there's some heartbreak on his side when we, you know, just like with, you know, with my kids, when they, when they decide to go out with their friends rather than hanging out with me, I'm always kind of like, okay, well, I miss you, you know, (laughs) and I'm sure he misses us. But that doesn't change his love, just like it doesn't change my, the love that I have for, for my kids. And his love is infinite. Mine, mine is finite. And so, you know, he, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what it's about. That's why he sent his son to die for us. That's why he was willing to take the best of heaven and sacrifice it for us, because he didn't want to spend eternity without us, all of us included, you know. He wants all of us. He doesn't sit there and say, well, I have this special, you know, sort of, you know, my favorites. He created all of us. And uh, he doesn't want to spend not only eternity, he doesn't want to spend one more day, one more minute without us if he can stand it. You know, if we'll turn to him, you know, he throws a party. That's what the that's what the, you know, prodigal son story is about. We come back limping in going, you don't love me. And he goes, I'm throwing a party because you're back. You know, you wanted you know, you wanted to come back as a servant and you were hoping for some, you know, um, some pig slop. You know, well, I'm throwing a big feast and we're killing the fatted calf that's his that's his disposition towards us all the time and his and and god's a good father and so so it's one thing to be sort of realizing this it's another thing to experience it and i think what you're talking about is this this adventure and this going from okay like i'm loved till you experience love and the thing that i'm thinking about is like peter in the boat the storm is raging and he's in the boat, maybe realizing whatever, God loves him or something. And then when Jesus walks in the water and, and calls Peter, Peter actually asks, can I come to you? And he says, come. It's like this, to me, this book and this concept is, the, is Jesus saying, come. Yes. Experience Absolutely. it. Expe- get out of the boat. Come on the journey. Experience what you think you understand. Now you can actually know it. Yeah, it changes everything, moving from second-hand knowledge or maybe even third-hand knowledge to first-hand knowledge. So most men in the church, me included, for so many years, I was relying on other people's um, experiences of, of God. Um, you know, I would hear them, uh, you know, from the pulpit or I'd read them in a book. Or, you know, Scripture, at the end of the day, is a bunch of people's testimonies of who God is to them and who God was to them. And, um, you know, 
scripture is meant to be an invitation so that we go experience, not to, so that we always sit in the back seat and, 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 um, you know, let other people tell, tell us about their experiences, but we are meant to go out there and experience this stuff for ourselves, experience him for ourselves, encounter him, experience him and start building a relationship with him. It's what we do with any person. You know, you got to encounter them first. You have to experience some of them and then you begin to know them and you can absolutely know God as much as you know anything because what we're talking about here is a reality an unseen reality that is bigger and better and i don't know how to think about this when we're talking about eternity i don't know how you think about time with when you're talking about eternity but somehow predated the physical world because the scripture says the the seen sprang from the unseen and we've tried to over the past couple hundred years uh, as human beings try to opt out of this supernatural reality the spiritual reality but it's who we are. God, when he created us, he took dust from the ground and he breathed life into it. He breathed himself into, um, into, into create a human being. It wasn't until those two things were merged that a, that a human being um, existed. And so we, we have an intense bias towards the physical world. We understand that we are physical beings, but we're sort of ignoring all of this reality that is, that is actually a bigger and more real in some crazy way is more real than the physical reality. And so we try to opt out of it. We focus on the things that we can hear and see and touch. And we try to answer everything with the physical world, you know, with science and, and all that's great. I, I, you know, I think, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a, as big a believer in science and engineering as these, the, the, the men who I profile in this book, men who are willing to risk, death at supersonic speed because they trusted engineering so much. But we have to recognize that we are spiritual beings and there's a spirit, supernatural reality available to us in any moment, all the time, just waiting to be discovered. And all we have to do is start looking around and being aware of it. And that's what this book is meant to teach men to do, is yeah. to just start being aware. Very practical, very practical examples of how to just start being aware of how God is trying to connect and bless and love in every moment. Yeah, and with the promise, and uh, you've been on it, I've been on it, of the adventure. There, this is yes. not just conceptual. There is tangible, real adventure that may be a calling out from the comfortable or the known or a season of, of kind of putting yourself in different places and spaces. Um, but, man, what a reward. Yes, what a reward. I mean, the last chapter is, is all about Charlie Duke, who flew with, in... Um, Apollo, the, the Apollo 16 mission, and uh, he just speaks with just such authority and such clarity about the reward, you know, I mean, they, you, you mentioned this earlier, and it's just so true, the coming back is, is as important as the going out, because no adventure with God is meant for just adventure, it is meant for that, and we, you know, it's, it's something, like you said, something in the human heart, especially something in a man's heart, just wants to go experience um, the wilderness somehow wants to hit the road and, and wants yeah. to be tested and uh, experience some extreme you know things, but we come back changed and it's life. It's a new life. It's a new kind of life. It's life. You know, as I say, and you know, because I'm always using terminology of the of the astronauts. It's life ignited. It's life with hearts on fire. And we don't get to hearts on fire without going into the wilderness somehow. Mm. And again, it can be a figurative thing, you know. It doesn't have to be literal. I love it when it's literal. I just love going on these adventures. I well, love stories of it. I love doing it myself, but we can do it at home too. 
Yeah, I've known somebody that basically when this quarantine hit, he was like, seven days in the wilderness, I got my backpack, I'm out. <laughs> and I was like, all right. I was like, all right. He's like going into the wilderness, going to eat, sleep, you know, and just live out there. And and so that, I think, is possible, right, um, in these times in certain places. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's not going to be too long. It'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll feel like a long time, but it's not going to be too long before we can all do that. It's going to be a big party, and we're all going to want to go do it. So, yeah. you know, I just hope I inspire some men to go do those things and to encounter God. I mean, he will. You know, Scripture says this, that, you know, if you look for him, you will encounter him, not like a piece of chiseled stone, you know, like we kind of think of him as, you know, yeah. but as a face-to-face, you know, and and obviously that's, you know, that's going to be different for each one of us how that actually looks, but... No one's going to be disappointed if you go and start, you know, looking for him. He shows up somehow. So, uh, so how can they get get a hold of, of the book and, and follow up a little more about what you guys are, are doing? Yeah, so uh, the kind of central place for everything we do is gatherministries.com. Um, but, uh, you know, the book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and everywhere. Um, I think the best deal right now is on christianbook.com. Um, but right now, um, I don't know when you're going to air this, uh, so I apologize, but we, uh, you know, the book comes out on May 1st and, um, we are doing some pre-order incentives right now. So you get the audio book, which I recorded. I actually barely got it in. I was uh, down in San Diego recording it for three days in the studio down there. And, and right as I got home, I got off the plane, they did the, they did the shelter in place order came down for Santa Clara County where I live. Um, but that's available and it's free if you pre-order and um, and then you get a copy of Invention, a digital copy of Invention, full full book, um, you know, for folks who pre-order as well. So, um, yeah. So I, they I will. I will air this show so they can take advantage of that before May May first. So awesome. That's you cool. know. And then the other thing you mentioned, Wire. You know, WireForMen.com is the place to get Wire. That's that's where you know most of the guys that I connect with. Um, you know, that's how they most of them connect with me. Yeah, yeah. And I am a big advocate of Wire. You bring such great perspective, practical and deep. It's it's always good. So yeah, thank you yeah, for thank you. For keep on doing that. All right, Justin. Well, you know what? The uh, I can't wait to talk again. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back, man. I love that. I love sharing time with you. It's just uh, it's one of my favorite things. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Go to Instagram at The Kindling Fire to find out more about what we offer, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Kindling Fire. There you can find Bible devotionals, e-courses, and etc. Okay, guys, as always, be awesome.